Larry, thank you for that. Great reminder, a great lead-in to what we're talking about this morning. Let's pray before we look at this passage in Ephesians. Lord, you are truth. And I pray that we would get on the side of truth. That we would get on your side, not try to get you to come to our side. But instead, submit to your authority, to submit to your word. Submit to that which is true, and that is what you are. Guide us into all truth this morning. Speak to our hearts from this passage in Ephesians that we would love your truth and live by it for your sake, in Jesus' name. Amen. Two blind pilots, yes, two blind pilots, both wearing dark glasses get onto the plane. One is using a seeing eye dog and the other is tapping his way along the aisle with a cane. Nervous laughter comes over the passengers as the two blind men enter the cockpit, close the door, and the engine revs up. The passengers begin nervously glancing around, searching for some sign that that this is some practical joke. None is forthcoming. Well, the plane starts to move, and it moves faster and faster down the runway, and the people sitting in the window seats realize they're headed straight for the water at the edge of the runway. As it begins to look as though the plane will plow into the water, panicked screams fill the cabin. At that very moment, the plane lifts smoothly into the air. The passengers laugh a little sheepishly and relax and soon all retreat into their magazines secure in the knowledge that the plane is in good hands. In the cockpit, one of the blind pilots turns to the other and says, you know, Bob, one of these days they're going to scream too late and we're all going to (laughs) die. Do you feel like at times... Do you feel like you are flying through life blindly? Do we base the the rightness and wrongness of our actions on the emotions it generates? In a world screaming for answers, are Christians stuttering? We ought not to be blind to the many schemes of our adversary, Scripture admonishes us to not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. We are urged instead to be aware of his methods so that he does not outwit us. If we don't know our enemy, then we won't know the proper defense. See, it isn't a one answer fits all. Different kinds of battle require different kinds of defense and offense. Well, that leads us to our study in the sixth chapter of Ephesians. We have been working our way through the book of Ephesians. We came to our final principle last Sunday for being the church. And being the church means, as we saw last week, that we can best fight the enemy, the real enemy. We best fight the real enemy as we work together. 
We are to assist each other in covering those vulnerable areas of our lives. It is then that we have a fighting chance. Well, that last principle launched us into a more in-depth study of this section in the book of Ephesians. We're going to come to a crawl. You might see it as a snail's pace as we unpack chapter 6 on the various pieces of the armor. If we are to cover the vulnerable areas of our lives, we need to put on the full armor of God, and that comes with a promise of victory, that we can stand. Now, it's likely that Paul, while he's using this metaphor of an armor, does so because as a prisoner, he's seeing close by a Roman soldier with all his armor on. This soldier unwittingly sits for his portrait. And as we're going to see this morning, it all begins with putting on the belt of truth. Truth matters. Do you know the truth? I mean, really know it. A man leaving church was asked by a stranger, what do you believe? And the man replied, well, I believe what my church believes. Well, and what does your church believe, the stranger asked. Well, he said, they believe the same as me. <laughs> Seeing he was getting nowhere, he kind of frustrated, said, and what is it that you both believe? And the churchgoer answered, well, I suppose we believe the same thing. <laughs> Folks, that's not going to do it. That's having your feet planted in midair. That will not suffice when it comes to being ready for battle. What do you believe? Can you back it up? Don't just say the church believes it. Why do you believe it? It's appropriate that the first piece of the armor mentioned is the belt of truth. Truth matters. And this passage speaks to three reasons why truth matters. First of all, truth prepares us for battle. Truth matters for three reasons from this text right here. First of all, truth prepares us for battle. It is when we are embracing and meditating upon and living out the truth that we are battle ready. We're told in verse 14, I hope you're there in your Bibles through Ephesians 6. In verse 14, we are told to stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Well, what is this belt? Well, the King James speaks of it as girding up your loins. Well, most of us don't talk that way, so that doesn't really help us. What is this belt used for on a soldier's armor? Well, a, a Roman soldier always wore a tunic, an, an outer garment, a robe that served as his primary clothing. It was uh, usually made up of a large square piece of material with holes cut out for the arms and for the head. It draped loosely over the soldier's body, kind of hung all over the place. And in hand-to-hand -hand combat, which is what this whole idea is talking about in, in battle and struggle and warfare, it's hand-to-hand -hand combat. A loose robe would be a disadvantage and even pose a threat to his well-being as it could trip him up or it could be easily grasped by his enemy. And that's where the belt would serve its purpose. When it was time for battle, the soldier would tuck his loose robe into this heavy leather belt around his waist. It meant that the soldier was ready for action. He was ready to go. 
The ordinary citizen of the Near East had the same problem with his robe. When he was in a hurry or had a heavy work to do, he would either take the robe off or tuck the robe into his belt. It was a mark of preparedness. The question is, as you go through your days, are you prepared for what lies ahead? Spiritually, are you prepared? Are you ready for the struggles of life? I remind you that this piece of, uh, uh, of the armor along with the breastplate of righteousness and, and the feet fitted with the gospel of peace are all spoken of as being put on permanently. We put it on and we leave it on. We're to be ready in advance and ready always for whatever life throws at us. If you treat this piece of the armor, the belt of truth, If you treat that as something you put on when all else fails, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get blown out of the water. If you wait until the heat of the moment, the heat of the battle, before you go looking for your belt of truth, you're going to be way in too far for it to accomplish its purpose. In other words, by application... Don't allow yourself to be burning inside with anger and vengeance and resentment and then go looking for the belts. Don't let your loose lips that sink ships and lives and then scramble around for the belts. Don't be caught in the heat of passion and then reach around the dark for the belts. See, that's when we often cry out, God, I thought you said there was a way of escape out of this temptation. Where was it? Well, we wait until we're well on our way into temptation's grip, and then we wonder why we don't see any escape. Don't put it on then. Be prepared. Put it on before then. There's a bumper sticker that said, lead me not into temptation. I'm perfectly capable of finding it on my own. (laughs) That's true. We are. devil didn't make me do it. I can find it myself. The belt of truth. Don't leave home without it. Don't leave your room without it. Truth matters. It prepares us for battle. Now, when it speaks of truth here, it's referring to the content of that which is true, that there is an objective standard. A preacher said it this way. He said, truth is not a matter of viewpoint. Truth does not change because it is or it is not believed by a majority of the people. If 40 million people say a foolish thing, it's still a foolish thing. The sky is not less blue because the blind man cannot see it. Speaking of blind, a reporter interviewed three baseball umpires. (laughs) He asked each one, how do you call balls and strikes? The rookie umpire said, well, I call them like I see them. A more experienced umpire replied, well, I call them like they are. Well, and the veteran umpire smiled and he said, no, they aren't anything until I call them. (laughs) That's true. That's true. In the same way, the authority is God, not we. What he calls a strike is a strike. What he calls a ball is a ball. No matter what we believe, doesn't change the facts. Wrong is wrong, no matter who says it or who does it. It's not different categories. Well, the performers can do this, and that's okay. Common folk, no, that's different. No, it's wrong is wrong. 
Our objective standard is Jesus Christ. Our objective standard is the Scriptures. Jesus said he is the truth. Jesus said it is the truth that sets us free. He prayed, remember in John 17, 17, he prayed that the truth would sanctify his followers. The truth. I can't stress this enough. Hear me here. If you blow the dust off of your Bible each Sunday in order to bring it, to you with, bring it with you to church, that is not enough to be ready for battle. If you read and don't spend adequate time chewing it around in your minds, that is not being battle ready. If you have a head full of knowledge but are not practicing the truth in your life, you are not prepared. If you're preaching truth to others, but traffic in untruth, you are not fit to face the enemy. Are you prepared for the struggles of life? Is your life characterized by truthful living? Are you ready? Truth matters. It prepares us for the battle. Secondly, truth arms us with a clear conscience. Truth matters because, secondly, it arms us with a clear conscience. We need that as we go out into battle. Two kids went to visit Grandma and Grandpa on their farm for the summer. Grandpa gave his grandson a slingshot, and he said, Look, you go and practice with this out in the woods. You know, trees and cans and rocks, and and don't aim at anything living. (laughs) You know, people or birds or anything else. And he said, Okay, Grandpa. And off he went with his new slingshot. And he can't hit a thing. He aims at the tree and he misses. He fires at two empty cans, cans near the barn and he can't even, doesn't even come close. Well, as he's coming back to the farm kind of dejected, he sees grandma's pet duck. <laughs> and he says, well, I haven't hit anything. I might as well. And wouldn't you know it? He pulls the slingshot back and the stone hits and kills the duck. Gone. He picks the duck up, he puts it in the wood pile, and he tries to bury it. He tries to to hide the evidence. Well, as he heads back to the house, he sees on the porch his sister Susie, who saw everything. I mean, she saw it all. They're sitting at dinner that night, and Grandma says, Come on, Susie, help help me with the dishes. And, And Susie says, Oh, no, I just talked to Johnny. He said he'd love to do the dishes. Right, Johnny? And then she whispered, Remember the duck. Remember the duck. So Johnny does the dishes. Later on, Grandpa asks Susie to do something. He says, no, Johnny would love to do this, wouldn't you, Johnny? Remember the duck. Remember the duck. Day after day, she's telling him the same thing. Remember the duck. Remember the duck. And so he does all her chores. Anything she wants, he does. Well, finally, he can't stand it anymore, so he goes to his grandmother sobbing and asking for her forgiveness for killing her pet duck. He comes clean. And grandma says, yeah, I already knew. I saw the whole thing. I was standing right at that window when it all happened, and I already forgave you. I was wondering how long you were going to let your sister make a slave of you. (laughs) I would imagine that all of us in this room can think of at least one event in our lives we wish weren't true. I remember in my late teens driving off the road and hitting a phone pole, totaling my car. I stood outside looking at my car and sobbing, going, Dear God, 
Tell me this didn't happen. <laughs> when I opened my eyes, the car was still smashed. I wished it didn't happen, but it didn't change the fact that it happened. We may wish we never did something we had done or didn't do something we wish we had done. Or said something we wish we could take back or did, didn't say something we wish we had. There is plenty of deep, profound regret to go around in this room, to fill it up. The lie is God can't forgive that or God can't redeem that or God can't make something of this mess. That's the lie. Some of you may look at some event in your life and think that it is beyond God's grace. That is a lie from the pit of hell, literally. We give that lie power by believing it. It has no power without our consent. And oh, how we hear the whispers, remember the duck, remember the duck. The truth is, Jesus is standing at the window today and he's looking out and nobody else in the room might know what you're thinking, but there's stuff going on your head, in your head and it's slave stuff. Jesus stands ready to forgive. The truth is, Jesus brought us back to God. The truth is, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The truth is, we have peace with God. Wear that belt of truth, for it arms you with a clear conscience. Remember King David, the sin that just tore him apart inside for months? Psalm 32 describes his inner anguish of unconfessed sin as it sapped his strength as in the heat of summer. We felt some of that brutal heat this past week. It has the power to sap us of energy. We start to get lethargic and, and unmotivated to do anything. It just takes everything out of us, doesn't it? So doesn't a weakened and guilty conscience. It takes everything out of us. It saps us of spiritual strength. The whispers cause sleepless nights. As we play over and over again, remember the dark. What's the remedy for guilt? David said in Psalm 32, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover it up. It is when we come clean, when we are truthful about ourselves and our sin, that arms us with a clear conscience. Someone expressed it this way. Someone expressed a liberating experience from living a lie like this. He said, It is as if I was holding my breath all my life, and now for the first time I could exhale. Okay, humor me a bit here. Humor me. I'm going to count to three. I want you to inhale and hold your breath. Now, don't pass out on me. It's only going to be about 20 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. But ready? On three, inhale and hold your breath. Okay, ready? Humor me. One, two, three. That's like holding on to sin. Okay, ready? Exhale. I don't want to lose you. After several months, perhaps even as long as a year, King David finally exhaled after holding on to his sin. See how much energy it took to do that? We need a clear conscience as we fight the battles or else the deafening whisperings of remember the duck 
remember the duck, will enslave us and diminish our faith. It will. Take over. Tighten the belts. Allow God's truth to penetrate to the inward parts of our lives. Put on the belt of truth. Allow it to remove any hypocrisy from your lives. Let it speak to you. Allow it to just do the work that it wants to do of cleansing and purifying and setting you free so you can live as a forgiven person. Because you can. And God wants you there. Guilt leads to conviction. Conviction leads to confession. Confession leads to freedom. We stay back there. The truth matters. It arms us with a clear conscience. Thirdly, truth matters because it keeps falsehoods from tripping us up. It keeps falsehoods from tripping us up. In this passage in Ephesians 6, in verse 11, we see that the word to describe Satan's strategy is the word schemes. It is plural. There isn't one way he tries to trip us up. He has several methods. And one of his schemes is he has mastered the art of lying. Satan is a liar. Gospel of John tells us that is his native language. Just like most of us in this room have been speaking English all of our lives, Satan has been speaking lies all of his existence. He's pretty good at it. He's the father of lies. Now, how would you like that title? There are lies all around us. The world is not a place of truth. It's not. There was a movie out a few years back called Liar, Liar. The basis of the movie was of a guy who told the truth all the time. He always told the truth. We call that comedy. (laughs) Think about that. Why? No one does that. No one tells the truth. That's laughable. All around us. We live in it. One of the major problems that come my way as a pastor in my 22 years of ministry is that people disbelieve the truth. When a believer says, I am trash, they are disbelieving the truth that says we are God's workmanship. When a believer says, God can't forgive me for that, they are disbelieving the truth that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we say, I can't make it, I can't complete this, I can't fulfill this promise, I can't, I can't, I can't, we disbelieve the truth that says, he who has called us to it is faithful and he will do it. We disbelieve the truth that says we have everything we need for life and godliness. We disbelieve the truth of the resurrection power that lives in us. And if we start to believe the lies, we will be ruined by them. A lie is something that is not true. (laughs) Now you say, well, I hope we get a little bit more for our money today. Not very brilliant, I know that. But if we believe a lie then we give it power to control us. In other words, information doesn't need to be true to have power. It just needs to be believed. If someone lied about you to someone else and that person believes it, then it is enough to damage your relationship. It doesn't have to be true. Satan lies. If we believe it, it's going to destroy us. 
Our best defense is the truth, simply confronting the lies with the truth. Without the belt, we are in danger of tripping over falsehoods that are all around us. What falsehoods are flying all over the place in your life as you go about your days? What is it that keeps tripping you up as you go through life? Our attitude ought to be, as one writer expressed it, the motto I follow daily is, if it's the truth, I'm in. If it's not, count me out. Let's be people committed to the truth. Let's be on guard to the many falsehoods looking to find its way into our lives and into the church today. Several years ago, Joe Wright, pastor in Kansas, was asked to be the guest chaplain for the Kansas State Parliament. He prayed a public prayer of repentance in one of the meetings, which caused quite a stir among the legislative body. I mean, I mean, one person just walked out. I want to quote his prayer as he nailed on the head how many people today, including many churches, have been taken in by Satan's lies and half-truths. He prayed, We come before you today to ask for your forgiveness. We have called evil good. We have lost our equilibrium and inverted our values. We confess that we have ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. We have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and called it an alternative lifestyle. We have exploited the poor and called it the lottery. We have neglected the needy and called it self-preservation. We have killed our unborn and called it a choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. We have abused power and called it political savvy. We have coveted our neighbor's possession and called it ambition. We have polluted the airways with profanity and called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Folks, this is no time to be slacking the belt. We need to tighten it. Truth matters. We don't have to fly blindly through life. Even when untruths scream at us, we can trust the truth that we already have. Inside every airplane are instruments that are critical to flying the aircraft. The instruments will give a true reading of how the aircraft is flying, even if the pilot's mind may tell him differently. They are vital. These instruments are vital to his survival. Many planes have crashed because the pilot became disoriented and failed to trust his instruments. Stories told of Colonel Jeff Patton, who flew as an F-15 fighter pilot in Desert Storm. The date for Desert Storm was chosen because the absence of moonlight and the high clouds helped the attacking Allied fighters from being detected by enemy defenses. And so flying in total darkness, the pilots became completely dependent upon their instruments. Shortly after crossing into Iraq, Colonel Patton's jet was locked onto by an Iraqi surface-to-air missiles uh, radar. He violently maneuvered his aircraft to break the radar's lock on him. But his maneuver successfully broke the lock, but it created a new problem. 
Those radical movements in the dark threw off the balance in his inner ear and caused him to be disoriented and dizzy. His mind was telling him his plane was in a climbing right turn, but when he checked his instruments, they indicated he was 60-degree dive towards the grounds. He was sure he was in a climb instead of a dive, and his mind was screaming at him to lower the nose of his F-15 to halt the climb. While his mind commanded him to correct the plane in one direction, his instruments instructed him to do just the opposite. Because he was flying in total darkness, he had to decide quickly whether to trust his mind or his instruments. His life depended on making the right decision. Well, even though it took everything within him to overcome what his mind was telling him, he decided to trust his instruments. It only took a few minutes to realize he made the right decision. If he had lowered the nose of his jet like his mind had been telling him, he would have crashed the plane. He had narrowly escaped colliding into the mountains of Iraq. Trusting his instruments saved his life. God has given us the instruments of his word and the spirit of God who lives in us. It's an issue of trust, isn't it? Will we trust the instruments or what our emotions and our minds and other voices tell us? Will we trust in the Lord with all our hearts or lean on our own understanding? Truth matters. Do me a favor. Do yourself a favor and be battle ready. Know the truth. Practice the truth. Have a truth trafficking lifestyle and may may the truth continue to march on in our lives and in this church for years and years to come. Let's pray. Lord, help us to know your word and know the truth that sets us free. Help us, Lord, to lock into that and to trust our instruments, to trust, us the re- trust the resources you've given us. And may we be people of truth. May we be armed for battle and for the struggles of life this week because we put the belt of truth on that will expose the lies that fly at us at incredible speed, sometime even undetected and unnoticed because they're going so fast. But may we be, use discernment May we be students of your words and students of our culture. And may we see the lies, as subtle as they may be, and confront them with the truth of your words. That is that light and that lamp unto our path and our feet. May we look to that for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to close with that, 272.